What's up, people? Welcome to this episode of the Body Hood podcast slash webcast because I don't know how you're consuming this content. I'm your host, as always, Jimmy. I got my brother Corey in the building. Corey, what's going on? What's going on, Jim? How you feeling, man? Oh, man. You know, I can't complain. Ain't nobody listening, man. Um, I don't even know what episode this is because we constantly working. But at the same time, I do want to say thank you for those that have been like rocking with us, um, sharing our content, watching our content. We appreciate it. We just want to get these stories out because there's a lot of positive brothers and sisters in the community doing amazing work, building amazing businesses and, and doing all kinds of great things, man. Um, this is a special episode, man. We got uh, one of our classmates on, man, but we, we had a conversation um, and shout out to uh, Kenya. We were at Kenya's little birthday get together and was having a great conversation. And I said, yo, we got to get this um, on the podcast because he was sharing some of his thoughts. And, and, you know, we agreed that, man, he was saying some powerful stuff, man. So without further ado, man, I, I want to introduce our brother. We got Kyle Boskett on. Um, just to give you a little bit of background, um, he has his own podcast, The One Yard Line. Um, he's an attorney, um, an investor, but he has a lot of thoughts about our community and just things going on. So we want to have a conversation with him. Kyle, how are you, sir? What's happening? What's going on, Jimmy? Corey, how y'all doing? Oh, What's going on? We chilling. We chilling, man. Listen, um, we know we we know about you because again, we, we we did go to school together. But for those who don't know you or know your background, um, can you tell us about where you grew up at, what school you went to, um, your education, just a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, you know, I'm from Philly. Uh, I only be exact. I actually um, I'm one of the few people that still calls the whole Alony Ave Alony. So I, you know, I grew up around. You know, first around 12th, and then I moved back uh, towards front, uh, you know, when I was at Central and all. And, uh, you know, went to Central, of course, 255. I know y'all. y'all we four, yeah, 254. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's, all, it's all good, though. It's all it's good, It's all though. love. It's all yes, love. Sir. We spent a lot of time together. Yeah, so. Uh, what, what you may not remember is the Summer League. I remember you worked at the movies up in Dora. Absolutely. That was my first gig ever, AMC, man. I remember that. <laughs> And we played in the summer league up there and everything, like back. I don't even know where we was at, really. So you remember that game winner I hit then? Man, I, I, I'm hey, 40 listen, years man. old. Listen, man, let me tell you. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you. Let me tell you something. This was a summer league you game. Was right? nice. You listen, was nice. I appreciate that. But listen, Corey, this is, this is how you know. Um, it's, it's probably like the only last second shot I hit in like a regulation game. So I know it's like drawn, but I'll never forget it. <laughs> but that's it. They hit over there, man. Um, after Century, though, what, what did you do in terms of college? Uh, I went to the University of Maryland. Um, I actually walked on the football team down there for a hot minute and then walked right back off. And I realized <laughs> <laughs> college football ain't nothing like high school sports. Um, it's not fun. Uh, I did some activism while at Maryland. Um, improved my grades through the activism because, uh, you know, I went to college to party like most people. And activism got me focused. Uh, introduced me to some young ladies that, that'll get you focused. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're always investing in us, which, you know, I always Absolutely. appreciate. And then um, after that, I worked for a minute. I did the dab. And I, I did a lot of things that were kind of off the radar. Um, and I actually, that's when I first started uh, investing in uh, in real estate. Okay. Um, Pretty early on, early 2000s. Uh, you know, when the boom here in Philly was really starting to catch on. Um, after that, I attended... Uh, Penn State Dickinson for law school, uh, following a, a dream that was implanted in me, I'll say. Um, mm, interesting. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that matters. Um, my my parents uh, always appreciated how attorneys operated. You know, my father was a cop, and uh, 
my mother was a a a, a serial plaintiff. We'll call her. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, they they, you know, when you come from the hood, my mother was a serial plaintiff. Um, and you know, because the the thing is, when you come from the hood, you know, attorneys and lawyers, you know, poor people have a different perception. You know. As an attorney, you realize rich people and poor people love attorneys. The middle class, not so much. Um, you know, the rich, because attorneys are money movers, right? All we mm -hmm. really do is move money for the rich. Um, for the poor, sometimes, you know, of course, on the criminal side, you can get them out of trouble. But on the civil side, there's an opportunity, you know, for, you know, for a civil suit or something like that. So, you know, that's interesting. I never heard no one put it like that. Um... I actually, yeah. I actually, I was following someone's dream and went to law school too myself. Um, but I, I got, I got out of that racket. But that's either. But I never, <laughs> but, I, but I never, I never, I never heard anyone put it that way that they only liked by the rich and by the poor. So that's that's very interesting. Um, so now, right? So you you went to undergrad, you went to law school. So what are your thoughts on education? Because we ask a lot of our guests this conversation now. So you have children. If you were giving them advice about going to college or going to grad school, law school, what kind of advice would you give now that you've been through it? I think I think the major advice I would give is counter to what I was told going in. I was told, go to college, you'll be cool. Go to college, get a job. You know, that's that's the farm system. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't tell somebody not to attend a major university or, or, or a small college of their choice where they can develop and grow as a person. But I would say divorce the idea that you're going to make money because of that choice. Um, like anything, it's an investment. And you have to kind of analyze what you want to get out of the investment because money <laughs> is far down the list when mm -hmm. it comes to to, to, especially, I mean, maybe 50, 60 years ago it was really there, but now you have to look at it as an opportunity to grow internally, uh, an opportunity to network, uh, meet people, uh, travel for some, you know, get out of circumstances for others. I mean, a lot of people, you know, if you have the wherewithal and the intelligence to go to college on somebody else's dime, great, um, as opposed to, say, the military, but, you know, divorce the idea that an excellent job even comes from that. I mean, even these days, good jobs don't even come from, from attending college. So that's, that's the advice I would give. You know, look at it as internal growth, but do you have to pay tens of thousands of dollars to grow? Yeah. Um, I always say it's, it's not a one-size-fits-all a one approach because I know when I, we were coming up, it told everybody, especially like the school we went to, everybody was expected to go to college, right? Um, sure. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's not a one size fits all approach, but it's also to me, it's about being strategic and how you pay for it. Cause college is just, yeah. cause that's another thing. College didn't cost what that back then what it costs now. No. Look at like, you know, um, man, uh, the cost of college is like soaring, but I do think that you can get value from it. But I also think that some people get value from it. I know people don't went to college. They got a degree. They got nothing out of it at all. Like, and people are like, that's impossible. I'm dead serious. Me? <laughs> I got absolutely nothing from my college experience. I ain't even get like I didn't go to network. I just wanted a degree. Like I just wanted to prove that I could do it. I literally mm -hmm. got absolutely nothing from college. Now see, I, I got think there's value in that though. I, I think there's value in accomplishing a goal. Um, yeah, that's true too. 
That's true too. But yeah. I did get something from. I, I mean, you know, I met I met people who are still friends to this day. Um, so the network is there. Um, and there's certain things in certain classes I remember, but not much. That's the crazy part. And when I think of my college experience, it's not too many classes that I remember anything from in terms of class. It's everything outside of the class, and also and also managing time because. Yes. I'm completely honest, when I first went away to school, I wasn't prepared for it. So my mm-hmm. freshman year was my absolute worst year in college. Um, but learning how to manage time and, you know, so so that did come from it. You know what I'm saying? You, yeah, you, yeah. You, you, you didn't have that experience at, at all, core like learning how to manage no. time? No. I mean, <laughs> I, I went to uh, the fir- my, first, my first run through college. I met a lot of people that I'm still friends with. I went to Westchester. Then I went to the military. And then I had like 30 jobs. And then I went back to college to finish. So when I went to, co- when I went to go finish college, when, by the time I finished, I was 30. So okay. I, didn't, I just went to, to prove so, well, that It I wasn't the traditional route, too, because you also like stopped and went to the military. So I'm pretty sure you took something from the military. Um, I don't, don't do, the only thing I got from the military is don't, let them tell you anything without the paperwork to prove it. That's it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I heard that many times. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. It's funny we're talking about this and, and where we kind of reconnected because I don't know if y'all got into a conversation with him, but um, the bull Mike, Mike Winder was there as well at Kenya's party. Yeah. He actually went a very, like he went straight to the Navy. And, you know, the school we went to, it was like military before college. And what he got out of the Navy was extraordinary. You know, he, he went in, I think he did like radar systems. And then he, um, he came out, went to like one of those computer shops that they had back in the nineties, you know, pay us five grand and we'll teach you how to code and program and whatever, whatever. But he flipped that on the networking tip. I think the dude is in y'all class. Um, all I remember, he used to wear a black leather trench coat while while playing ball, and I, I forget his name. I'm not even I'm not even trying to go there. That's literally the only thing I remember about him. They they networked out at Pitt. Okay. And, um, he wound up getting in the energy industry, and he's he he was an energy trader for the last twenty years. Okay. And and no college. Um, I mean, you know, he got the associates from one of the yeah, but so, so the, so the military, the military route work. That's what I'm saying. Everybody has their own journey. Yes. But I just know that, and, and that was my point. That like, it's not a one size fits all approach. And I think a lot of times when we talk about higher education, we just want to throw people out there. When in fact, some people aren't ready to go to school. Like they just, nah. you know, what I mean, that's why I'm an advocate of like the community college route too. Because sometimes going that route, you figure out what it is you want to do. But um. Tell us a little bit about your podcast, though, the One Yard Line. Like, what was the con? Like, how'd you come up with the idea for the podcast? What is the podcast about, and what are the thoughts you're sharing through your uh, platform? Okay, so um, as corny as it sounds, the the podcast kind of came from like divine intervention, if you will. Um, I used to work for the Fed, as I mentioned before, and you know that dickhead son of a bitch had us on furlough for like six, seven weeks which meant, you know, past furloughs, as the government employee, you was just like, yo, two-week vacation, we're going to get back pay, let's chill. I mean, that the, the idea to do a podcast came from, from straight boredom. And 
I'm a fan of podcasters. Um, you know, I'm a fan of information sharing. Um, but behind that, I was developing a program for basically self-determination, resilience, and, and on a mental health level. Um, okay. I had I had myself went through severe depression as a result of um, not only some professional career, uh, you know, moves, but, you know, my family. Mm-hmm. And as for most people, you know, destruction of your family is a major, major life crisis. And, okay. you know, sometimes we ignore it. Sometimes we address it head on. Um, I chose to ignore it while it was crumbling, which of course led to its destruction. But parallel to that, my career was, was regressing as well because of, you know, my ex basically saying, you know, you got to slow down um, for your family. But at the same time, she's stepping out the door. So, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. I used to commute daily from South Jersey to D.C. And that was so I could run, you know, the Mint Labor Program on some highly egotistical shit. Like, I made I made like a buck 30 doing it. Like, I didn't even make any real fucking money. Mm-hmm. It was just the juice. Like, when you get into the Fed or you work in a bureaucracy, you're not working for the money, you know? You're working for juice. Like, you want to be like, yo, I got 30 motherfuckers under me. Yo, I got 50. Mo- yo, I run the whole program. So that was that was my motivation. So it was about it was about power. It really wasn't even about money. Um, do you think that had anything to do with um, coming from the attorney side, right? So you were an attorney. Mm-hmm. Do you do you think that had anything to do with it? Because, you know, like I said, I I, I still work, you know, with attorneys um through the real estate thing. But attorneys like. In my experience, at least, a lot of them are power hungry. A lot of yes. a lot of times, it's not even about, like you said, it's not about the money; it's about the power. So, you, do you think that had anything to do with it? I do. Uh, I think it started in law school, actually. Um, I think law school is the only, you know, situation where it's dog eat dog. I mean, you're going straight at each other. You know, you're on a strict bell curve. You know, that shit is mean. You know, mm. your your motherfucking B could really be the lowest motherfucking grade in the class. Yeah. And you yeah. stand there holding your dick like, oh, shit, I studied all week. So, you know, I became a negative, a very negative person, had a negative outlook. I became, I was already competitive. Like, for instance, when we play ball in those summer leagues, I can't fucking play basketball, but I'm a competitive motherfucker. So I'm going to get out there and just, I'm going to be a dog. I'm going to mm-hmm. be the nigga rebounding, fouling, you know, doing all that. So transitioning that to, to a profession in which is dog eat dog, you turn into a very, very evil person. I was toxic within myself. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, recognizing that I had some toxicity within myself. So let me ask you a question. So um, going back to law school, your experience with law school, like you think it, you think it added, to, um, added to that or did it like come from going to law school? You said you were already that way beforehand. That just added to it is what you're saying, right? Yeah, I mean, it fed into it. Like, you know... I, I, I'm I'm kind of like a, a, a very pragmatic person. So, like, most of high school, I did absolutely nothing. You know, I wasn't tall or that good to play basketball. So, I played football because Mont and them were like, yo, you should go play football because you're big. And I'm like, I love football, but I don't know the cold, blah, blah, blah. So, when I finally got out there and I was good, because mind you, I only played senior year. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, I became a starter. I was good, whatever. And my competitive nature was like, I'm only going to do things in which I excel. So. Interesting. Yeah, it, it is. Because, like, it's like, are you really challenging yourself? So when, it, when I went to law school, I, I wasn't a really good student. Um, I, was, I was average. At, I was good to average at best. Um, when I became a lawyer, I had already been through the, the, the toxic gauntlet called law school, bar prep, blah, blah, blah. I knew I didn't want to practice, but I'm not a quitter. Yeah. And, and sometimes in life, you got to pivot. It's not quitting. It's not quitting. It's pivoting and it's refocusing to a better avenue. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So what was your biggest lesson from that? Like, so, so in retrospect, so you had these experiences in terms of, um, you know, uh, undergrad and you said you got a little politically active, which helped you uh, educationally. Then you went to law school, you got into that environment where it's dog eat dog. So looking back at it now, what is the, your biggest takeaway from, from that experience in, in, in law school? Uh, Bigger than law school, because law school was just a minor piece. Um, two takeaways overall, and, and the premise for the one-yard line is, A, you have to take care of yourself. And, when I, and that's, as cliche as that sounds, and as much as we hear about self-care these days, it's much more dynamic than just meditating on a mat or yoga or getting your hair cut or, or something superficial. Um, you know, the, the, the mind-body connection is crazy. So it's a holistic approach. Okay. Interesting. Um, Core, what, what are your thoughts on what he said about, like, about, about is, that doggy dog, that doggy dog thing real quick? I think that's interesting. That's something, you know, he does, like... I uh, mean, I, 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 I used to be super competitive, and then I realized that the only person I need to compete with is me. Because yes. my, 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 my whole my whole premise with the dog eat dog thing is is it's enough for everybody. Like I don't I don't compete with nobody no more because it's enough for everybody. Mm -hmm. Like it, there's 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 so many resources out here that literally everybody could get some. But the the way I understand now that the way capitalism works is that they we've been conditioned to play the dog-eat-dog -dog role. Mm -hmm. And so now, you know, a lot of people are playing dog-eat-dog -dog when it should be, you know, I, I put my hand down when you when you down, mm -hmm. and then you do the same for me when I, when I go down. You know what I mean? So yeah. instead of me having to pick myself up all the time, it sh I should have brothers and sisters that's able to pick me up when, it, when it's hard for me to do it for myself. And so, I all, you know, with the dog-eat-dog -dog thing, I haven't really been on a doggy dog thing for about twenty years. Like, yeah, I, I just find it. I just find it interesting because a lot of times we don't recognize that we're being trained that way, or that you know, sometimes we're conditioned not just in schools but society conditions us that way. But the fact of the matter is, a lot of what we talk about on here is community building, right? So we yeah, talk about, we talk about capitalism and building businesses, but it's it's for the overall betterment of the community. And a lot of times we have people who just say, "Look, I want to, I want to, you know, hoard resources or control as much." just to actually run away from the community or turn your back on the community <laughs> and, and look down. <laughs> just but but not understanding that if you, if you, if you procreate, if you created kids, those are people who are eventually going to go back to the community. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they're going to find their tribe. They're going to find a way back. 
And if you have no base, well, how much power do you really have? No, you, can, you, can, you, can, you can build and, and, and start to uh, control all the resources you want to, but if you have no base of protection... Um, it's all going to be taken from you. Yeah. Exactly. And, and we've seen this time and time again throughout history, right? So, you know, the powers that be can take anything from you when they want to take anything from you, especially if you have no base, mm-hmm. which is why um, it's not really about just the whole dog-eat-dog approach and control. But I think it's interesting that you uh, that experience that you had from law school, which is why I asked that, because... I'm thinking back as we're having this conversation and that is probably the only, cause I went to business school too, but that's like the environment where you're, um, you're literally like attacking each other. Like that's part, that's part of the curriculum. Right? It is. Right? It's, it's funny you said that. Cause I took a, um, a Penn state business class, a graduate level business class in negotiations. Mm-hmm. I took two, I took a law school negotiation and I took a, a B school negotiation class in the law school negotiation class nobody fucking won because we went at each other for 13 weeks and everybody <laughs> wound up on zero. I swear to God. Right. So when I take the B school class, first week out, we're given a challenge. Everybody says, yes, everybody will get a 98 out of a hundred. If one person says no, that person gets a hundred and everybody else gets incrementally less, whatever the, the so what is, what the fuck do you think I did coming out the gate? <laughs> I grabbed that motherfucker 100. I grabbed the 100. So week two, we show up. Everybody in the B-School class looking at me like, yo. <laughs> yo, and, and, and that's, no, that's no shot at our, uh, our attorneys out there watching and listening. But I do think this is. It was I, 99. It was like, I yo, this is interesting, like, yo, man. So they was like. Yeah, it's great. Let me, let me just complete this real quick. So they say to me, okay, you got your 100, which means if we all go 99, you'll wind up in first place. We'll all just be behind you. So I said, all right, I'll do it. Week two, my dickhead ass goes for the 100 again. We show up week three, they like, yo, we don't fuck with you, dude. <laughs> See? I said, all right, I won't do it if everybody gives me an extra point. And every week I come up to like 115. We fought for three weeks. They was like, nah, we ain't give you. Like, you've been an asshole the whole time. They finally did it because they realized I wasn't going to move because I was that dickhead. And that's when they all realized the difference between the attorney mindset and where they're at. But yeah. that, shit, that shit would eat you up. But see, oh, man, that's interesting. So how did, how did that, once you got into the actual practice of, of law, um, did they, did it like translate and it continue the same way? I mean, obviously it did. Cause you told us about like how it caused problems with you just having that ego. Right. Um, mm-hmm. which brings me to a, it's, a, it's a good book out there. It's called ego is the enemy. Um, mm-hmm. it's a pretty excellent book, but, but it talks about that, that thing of your ego getting in your way, um, to the point where you were willing to travel just for the power, right. You, working for the fed as an attorney and having, having this, this title and, and these people, but I guess in and retrospect, fake, fake power, you fake power. <laughs> and, and that's funny, right? So um, I had a conversation with someone um, this past week and we were talking about titles, how a lot of times we get caught up in titles and when it really I, doesn't have anything to do with like money or anything. It's about else. time. Titles is about time. It's in the book. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's right. Titles are all of, titles are all about time. Because it's, oh. it's, the, it's the perceived time that you put into whatever it is based upon your title, right? Um, 
So how did, how did you finally realize that this is what's going on with you? Like you said, so you, cause you've come to that realization, right? That mm-hmm. your ego was a problem. Mm-hmm. I got punched in my motherfucking mouth. Um, my, my, my wife is walking out the door because my focus is on my title and just make, like, I'm, my thing is I'm making money. I'm paying all the bills. Shut the fuck up. Like, most shorties would love to be in your fucking shoes. Shut the fuck up. That in itself is egotistical, right? Yeah. Um, I'm not investing in my family. Whereas though, I would watch dishes. Like I, she would cook, clean. Whatever. I would, I would walk past dishes in the kitchen. I, I could turn the fucking faucet on, pour some soap in there, bust a couple suds. I'd be like, nah. I pay all these motherfucking bills, so I don't gotta do that. You living in um, 19, like, 49 or something? Yeah, like, yeah. You, Man. You was wilding. Wilding, wild. Like, I, I, was, I was creating this, this, this very destructive, like, I'm not going to front. It takes two to tango. But I'm always going to be accountable for me because I want to improve. Mm-hmm. And, and going forward, I'm like, yo, I, I, really, I really can't, you know, be this way. I can't, can't operate this way. I mean... It took me getting punched in the face, you know, like, I'm not going to lie, like, <laughs> my wife ain't the easiest person to deal with. She was, she was something else, too, but we could have made it work had I chose to pivot and say, I want to focus and invest in this because this is a lifelong commitment. That bullshit-ass title, I only intended to do the shit for three years and then get another corny-ass title. So, <laughs> but, you know, you still, you still want to come and grab that hundred, though. I mean, it, it yeah, wasn't see, even real money. No, no, I'm talking about like the same way, the same way you talked about in the class. Your mentality was, "I'm gonna come grab the hundred. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, I, I want to be, I want to be the alpha. Like I gotta be, the, I gotta be the alpha in everything I do. But, but the thing is, the the the, the alpha don't need the title. The alpha it, doesn't doesn't need it, all that, you know, superfluous shit. Mm, that's a bar. You know the, the, so if you if you're a true alpha, you don't even need the title don't need it and and i realized that when i lost the title because i took a demotion for her i did i said yo this is more, you're more important but i think it was too late you know she was halfway out the door i came back everything was secure i'm not traveling to dc she rolled <laughs> and for me it was like damn i lost my corny title and my family mm. i'm coming back to a four-bedroom house with a mattress you know what i mean like yeah my kids' shit wasn't even in there. It was fucking Play-Doh and crayon st- stains in their bedrooms. You know what I'm saying? So how did you get out of that funk and going through that um, to, to bring you to where you are now? Where now you're self-reflective and you kind of like realize um, how everything took place. What, what kind of got you out of that? First, first, I had to go through major depression. I, I blacked the fuck out in 2017. And I had to. And I appreciate it. Um, I, 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 everything that I thought I was, was being challenged. Everything that I thought I earned was challenged. Um, my, my entire identity to me was on the line. Um, this whole, uh, cause like, understand as a lawyer and, and you're a lawyer, you know, simply by attending law school, when you go into any social or professional setting and you say, I'm a lawyer, motherfuckers know a shark is in the tank. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, I know a lot of paper sharks, but just the mindset and what they do to you in law school, your mindset is I'm going to eat, eat, eat. 
Everybody else, fuck them. So imagine, go, like, when I used to go to, like, bars in 2017, you know, you're talking to a young lady, and I would just wait for that motherfucking question. So what do you do for a living? Because <laughs> <laughs> that was, the, like, you don't even need game. That was the second I got them. You know, and, you know, these are... You know, these are females that aren't really worth it because, you know, somebody that 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 has a purpose within themselves, they know. I know attorneys that make forty thousand motherfucking dollars. They're yeah. happy, but that doesn't necessarily, you know, being a lawyer doesn't necessarily guarantee financial success. You know, mm -hmm. but um, took the major depression, but it also took what what I've always had inside of me is a willingness to always get better. Okay. I understand that where I start isn't necessarily where I I I, I finish. You know, and I think central, uh, I think the one good thing I took out of law school and even college is the ability to complete tasks, to finish tasks, um, to be accountable for myself. So like, mm -hmm. Corey, you finishing, that was just for you. That was the investment. The investment was in you. And in and, yeah. and, and, and life, you can always lean on your wins. Kind of It's kind of Al Bundyism, you know, leaning on those old touchdowns or like your last second shot. But when you're in depression, you need shit to lean on. You know what I'm saying? So, the, you know, coming out, I said I wanted to get better. And I did, I, ego, I didn't want to see a therapist. Um, I just did, I don't know if it was the black male ego. I just really didn't want to tell another motherfucker my problems. So I decided to create a podcast and tell everybody my problems. But, um, <laughs> you didn't want to tell one person. You want to tell everybody. Everybody got Everybody. But um, I started reading about because we, you know, we're moving into a very narcissistic society, and um, I started to read about narcissism, um, you know, because I didn't really understand, you know, I wasn't a, I wasn't a, a, a typical abuser, I wasn't, you know, um, you know, uh, mistreating, you know, my family or my wife, but I really wasn't there the way she wanted me to be there, which it's okay. So, I, you know, I started to, to really research mind-body uh, uh, topics. I started practicing yoga because I fucked up my rotator cuffs, trying to uh, shoulder press 395 one day. Um, so it, it took major destruction in every way, physically, spiritually, for me to, like, kind of, what I say, hop on the one-yard line. Like, I hit rock bottom. And, and I was looking up. And thankfully, everything in front of me w was good because I was on the ground. Um, when, when you're on the ground, but you're looking up, there's hope in that. You know, if you're on the ground and you fucking face down, that's kind of a fucked up situation. Yeah. But, you know, I just want to say I appreciate you sharing all this because, um, you know, some people and, – and, again, this, this, this goes into – we talk about it all the time. Like, even when it comes down to investing, um, you have to do what works for you mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, it's about happiness. Mm -hmm. And from the outside looking in, people would say, man, you accomplished, you know, undergrad, Maryland, you know, Penn State, got a law degree. You know what I'm saying? You bought into real estate in the early 2000s, like you have it all going on. But what you shared was none of that really equates to happiness, right? And, and Not at all. And having that, that title, with that big staff and all these things, like none of it really equates to happiness. And this is the side that we want to make sure we have in these conversations, too, because these are important. These are important conversations to have in our community. So I just want to say, man, thank you for like even sharing some of those stories. No problem. No problem. You're welcome. 
Yeah, and and I and it's interesting, like you know, as someone who who who's been like I said, the graduate school, law school, to hear how um, because I'm gonna take away from this, like not even thinking about how that doggy dog mentality is actually you're, you're trained that way, and and that's absolutely true. Um, never really even thought about it that way. Yeah, I mean, it, but it moving forward, I realized also that I need more friends in this world than I need enemies. Mm. And, okay. and, you know, as I do for others, others kind of return that in, in many different ways. It's about know? energy. It's about energy. Yeah. It's the energy you put out. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, that's another thing, you know what I mean? Like, when me and Jim, we talk in private, like, a lot of the things I do or don't do is based on the energy of the people that's involved in it. You yes. know what I mean? Yes. So, like, if the energy is off, even if the cause is good, I won't get involved. Because I, if the energy is off to me, I, I, it's, if, I don't know. You know, some people say it tickle your demons. Like if it if it if it mess with my demons in any way, I don't I don't mess with it. You know what I mean? So I'm I, I'm not into the spirituality or none of that. But every person has energy. Every word has energy. Every cause has energy. And when yes. the energy is when the energy is off, I'm it throws me off. And if I'm uncomfortable with the energy i'm uncomfortable with the situation i'm i'm good with it i don't play with it i understand that that negative energy will have an effect on everything that i do and so i leave it alone you know what i mean so yeah and, and so let's talk about the future now we, we talked about you know what led you to this point we talk about the fact that you have your platform now that you, you know you're building out um you know um so what are your goals some of the things you were talking to us about were, were kind of like um building a network and your ideas behind you know um specifically black men having a network could you share with our audience uh, some of your thoughts on that and some of the things that you're trying to build sure um just, just to kind of back up a little bit um in, in practice in law one of the things that i noticed a lot was that when when there was an african-american black person whatever at the table nine times out of ten it was a female and this was within the legal profession uh, when I went into the, the government. And then, you know, as I did a lot of. Seeing weren't really at the table. So part of my program and, and part of what I'm trying to do is build a network. And, and I don't, I'm not outcome specific or determinative. This could be literally start from those of us that attended Central and branch out because recognize my kids probably won't go to Central. Y'all kids probably won't, or, you know, they may, but um, basically it, it's, it's to build a, a framework much, much like other communities have, other, other racial groups and cultural groups have. Um, when, when my, my ex is Dominican and her father used to tell me a story about when he came here from DR, how the Dominican community not only housed him, fed him, clothed him, but gave him avenues to make money. Some illicit, uh, but most not. Um, a lot of times it was such and such is moving. They need some help. They're going to give you 50 bucks. Um, on a bigger scale, I've spoken to people
have the what they told me is that I, I do that because my community loves me and I love my community. So I don't make it a personal thing. Like if I didn't like Jimmy, but Jimmy's family was in crisis, I should be able to give what I can for Jimmy's family because he's part of my community. And once he's back on his feet, because life has ebbs and flows, peaks and valleys. And we've all been in situations. Um, that's another thing I, I realized. That's why I'm really not embarrassed to tell my story because a, a lot of people, when they're down, they hide. When that's the moment you shouldn't be hiding. That's when you should, you should be expressing. You should mm -hmm. be letting that shit go. But, you know, the, the, the network really is to build that base, that base that we don't have. So that when we fall, we have a whole community of other people to help us grow. And I got three sons and I got a daughter. You know, I, I can introduce my daughter to about 400 black women that are very, very successful. I can't necessarily say that for my sons in, in varying different fields, you know, in, in many different fields. So the network is predicated on black men in particular because I will admit systemic discrimination is a motherfucker and it's the number one reason black men are in the situation we are in. You know, it, it's, it's not a coincidence. Our incarceration rates are intolerable. That shit is disgusting. You know, mm -hmm. they criminalize what the fuck we do. You know, they criminalize the, the shit we do. And then, you know, our physical appearance, you know, in, in a business setting isn't necessarily normalized for people. That's why I love Obama. You know, he, he helped kind of normalize the black man as a, as a figure of power and leadership. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that, that's mostly what the network is about, but understand right now what I'm doing is um, I'm trying to contact the Urban Studies Program for both uh, Penn and Temple and see if they'll run a survey for me because I recognize too in, in developing programs, you can't give people what you think they want. You gotta give people what they want and what will be effective. I'm 40 fucking years old. I don't know what a 19-year-old nigga really wants or, or, or what will, will capture him. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It's funny because uh, we had a guest on um, who was a marketer, and that's one of the things that he stressed. That's the first thing he said. <laughs> he said everybody wants to uh, give someone what, what they want as opposed to figuring out what it is that they need and give that to them. So that's a great that, – you know, it's interesting you say that because um, I remember that from uh, Brother David Williams who said that same exact thing. Also, um, I got to get you in touch with uh, Brother Carl Tone Jones because a lot of what you're talking about, he did a documentary called The uh, Independence Day Project, and it's, it's about community building. Um, and shout out to our, our sisters out there because y'all definitely are killing it. Um, mm -hmm. So it, it's interesting because systemic racism is a thing, but one of the things I like about what you're saying is it's not just playing the victim. It's like, okay, we know these things exist. What are we going to do about it? So yeah. we want to we want to do it ourselves as opposed to like looking for a handout. You saying let's build something ourselves. Um, so and I appreciate that too because I, I see people that like to play victim and sit around crying all day. Not that these things don't exist because I acknowledge they exist. But mm -hmm. now what now? What are we going to do? Yeah. And, and no, I I, that's important. It is. I, I say something real radical to, to a lot of people, and they look at me like I'm crazy. But I tell them all the time, as black men. Maybe at some point we should put down the gun because the state's not going to put them motherfucking guns down. And if you put yourself in, them, in those crosshairs, the outcome has never been good for us. 
Mm-hmm. It's never and and realistically, I understand people love the Black Panthers. The movement, you know, the theoretical and the educational part of the movement was excellent. And at that time, those tactics were very necessary because it was a more brutal world. I mean, police brutality, believe it or not, was worse back then. We just yeah. didn't have social media. Yeah, but that, that's what's scary because like pe- people say now, oh man, things are crazy. I'm like, no cameras are around now. Yeah, like, shit, it, crazy. It, it was a norm for the cops to beat people in my neighborhood. Like that was the, that was the norm. Yes, listen, everybody, mama, pop, gave a talk. Like, look, the cops pull up, be respectful because they ass whooping is fifty fifty. As we all know, somebody that got pulled out their car. You like, yo, homie. He work at UPS. He don't even be doing that type of stuff. Yeah. They drug him. So, I mean, it's radical as fuck to think. But at some point, we got to be accountable. And we got to start thinking a little bit better. And, and our conduct, right, has to be towards prosperity. Like, for instance, I had this conversation with a lot of my homies about selling drugs, selling dope, right? Because I got a close family member, members that sold dope. But they sold dope to buy real estate. They sold dope to buy barbershop. They sold dope to, you know, buy corner stores. Now you got people that sell dope to buy Gucci, to buy cars. I'm not saying it's unethical to, to sell dope. I'm saying it's illegal. So knowing that, it's fucking stupid to sell dope. Like, we, I, I, when I was in law school, I used to really, really make the argument that People need to sell in, in certain communities under certain circumstances need to sell dope. I used to make that argument. Ten years later, I don't. Because the, the ROI on selling dope. And, and I, I have a um and I know Corey, you have a perspective too, right? So my my thing is this, right? Um local people knew. My, my my perspective is 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 is, is interesting because it develops over time and as you see things play out. But I have this thing where I don't like to judge people, right? Mm-hmm. So so my, my my father used to tell me back in the day, and I, I told Corey the joke that I never knew where he got it from until I saw Malcolm X the movie, and he used to tell me this thing about instead of telling someone how dirty their glass is, you just show them a clean glass. And it's mm-hmm. funny because my father was was a member of the Nation of Islam, but then when I saw the Malcolm X movie, I said, "Oh, he stole that." I thought he had some sort of profound bar that he made up, but he, mm-hmm. but you know, it's in the movie that Elijah Muhammad says that. But it's like instead of judging people, instead of showing and uh, talk about how dirty their glass is, you show them a clean glass, right? So, no doubt, I, I have that perspective. That's that's one perspective, and then um, you know, uh, what I look at though is I tell people all the time that. There's a lot of talk about like these people are snitches and they're snitches and you got to stop snitches because this, that, and the third. I'm like, well, if you're going into an industry where you know that everyone's snitching, maybe you should think about that before you like, you know, you start to, to jump into. I was having this conversation actually yesterday. I, I was at a, a funeral and I was talking to someone. I'm like, you, can, you, you know what it is. It's 2019. Everybody snitches. So, in knowing that, you still want? Do you still want to? You still want? Everybody walking around with body cameras. Like literally, every phone is a body camera. Everybody snitching because because everybody caught. Like everybody don't realize the the like law enforcement is, is is probably one like besides like maybe pharmaceuticals and, and maybe that's it. It's probably the most illicit industry out there. Mm-hmm. And people don't realize how close they are to incarceration. Like, 
really, they don't want to exercise the resources to incarcerate you right now. Once you become the, uh, you know, somebody viable within those crosshairs, you are now going to be incarcerated. Yeah. Point blank, period. I mean, I, like, I, I do I do agree that you should show people a clean glass, but you got to educate people. No, you do. You do. No, I'm not saying you just straight ignore it, but I, I was just saying like... um aren't necessarily the best route. Yeah, that, that, you're right about that. You're absolutely right. But it's just a different perspective because um I see a lot of people uh who, who, who mean well, but they mm-hmm. sit around constantly and just like, you know, criticize. Like, this fuck, you're doing this, you're stupid that, you're stupid that. And I'm like, that's not the way to get to anyone. First of all, people become mm-hmm. defensive like from the rip. Once yeah. you approach them in that manner, so if you're really about helping people, then you just you, you have to show them a better way. And and that's why I want my survey to go through Penn and Temple because they have the resource to capture what people really want. Because like theoretically, if I was 19, 18, I wouldn't probably want to go to college right now. Like looking at the cost, and then looking at probably people that's five, ten years older than me that haven't really capitalized off of going to college, but yet. Most people don't know any other alternatives. Yeah. You know, like, I, you know, I work for the city and the, the department I work for, you know, I'm, I'm not going to name names because I'll, you know, I like I got my, you. I got you. You know what I'm saying? But I'm going to say this. Overtime is, is one way of developing your, your family. And, and, you know, I was talking to somebody um, a, a couple of weeks ago and I was like, you know, my father was a cop and he worked, he killed the overtime thing, but you know, there's a, there's a progression and, and, and the progression should be leading to ownership, right? Cause overtime, you don't own a damn thing, but mm-hmm. you own real estate, you own stocks. That's true ownership. I'm kind of the mid mid level where I'm still giving up time for money. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to transition myself and definitely for my next generation. But when you walk the streets of Philly in particular, a lot of young boys just don't know. And that's speaking to my network. It's about sharing opportunities because a lot of people don't know what else to do. I knew doctor, lawyer, police, fire, accountant. That was like my whole wheelhouse of, of, of jobs. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot, and and that goes to, um, you know, a lot of parents are dream killers too. Like I've seen people say, Hey, I want to be a writer. I want to be this. Ain't no money in that. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of y'all parents got to stop being dream killers too. Yes. Um, I, I want to be a YouTuber. But yeah, 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 yeah. I had a conversation with my homie about that. His son told him that, and he was like, "You ain't gonna do that." I'm like, "Dude, no." Like, my kid came <laughs> to me. Dude, I was like, "Let's get it." Yeah, my- like, yeah, because it, 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 listen, there's some of those YouTubers out there killing it. But but the fact of the matter is, man, again, this goes back to you have to do what make what makes you happy, right? Yes. And we yes. talk about this from all angles, whether we're talking about investing, whether we're talking about even if it is because we it's, it's this thing where you got a job. Like if somebody has a job that they enjoy, like let let everybody let everybody be. Like, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Everything's not for everybody. Yes. Everything's not for everybody. But one thing that's for everybody, or I think should be for everybody, is happiness. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so and I know Core, you had some thoughts too when we were talking about um how people look at those that do illicit activities, right? And, and, and how, we, how we talk about that within our community. Yeah. Um, I mean, my thing is they're, they're still part of your community. And so, like, so the, 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 the thing is when I grew up, those people who were doing illicit activity were still part of our, our community. And so they never did those illicit activities when, you know, 
when we were having something communal. So like if we would have a block party or we were having something else and we say, look, you know what I mean? From this time to this time, that's, that's off the table. It was just off the table and they would come sit down and eat and chill with us. Right. And so we didn't, we didn't ostracize them from our community. And mm-hmm. so at the point where we started ostracizing from, from our community, they started to tear it down. And so, because my thing is those people still live in your community and those people <clears throat> are contributing members of your community, whether you want them to be or not. And the second thing is there are no drug dealers without people who use drugs. And so you're not, <laughs> my thing is, it's a lot of drug dealers in the community, right? The, the corner stores are drug dealers. They sell a bunch of sugar. Sugar is the same as crack, right? There's like one, one molecule off from, <laughs> from, from, from cocaine, right? Sugar and cocaine are the same, right? Your bartender is a drug dealer. Like, yeah, you know, know, it's a lot of stuff in your community that kill people. That's probably killed more people than the drug dealers in your community. Hell, church is a drug. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to get into the the whole whole religion thing. But, you know, it's just, you know, there's a lot of things in our community that kill people, but it's singling out one thing and, and, and saying that that's the, the, the root cause of all of the destructive but, but that's but that's but what I'm saying is that's but that's what happens in our communities like drug dealers and people who use drugs get singled out because you can see them very plainly as what they are but yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of things that happen in our community that are destructive to our community that don't get talked about that are just that are just as destructive or more destructive and don't get no shine and so don't you know, like my thing is, instead of singling them out for for this, you know, for uh for for disparagement and 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 being, you know, uh, I don't even know what to call it. Like being just totally well, trying to basically trying to ostracize them. What you trying, trying to, do? to yeah, trying to ostracize them out of the community. You know, my thing is show them something different, give them something different, bring you know. And, um, and that's what falls on us, right? So a lot of times yeah, we they, talk about like you have to be able to show them something else and. And um, Corey, you talk about this all the time where we have to be able to give opportunities, which leads to our platform and what we talk about, which is ownership. And I know that, uh, Kyle, you talked about the realization that everything comes down to ownership, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why we focus on that, that piece of it, right? So yeah. there, are, there, are a lot of, there are a lot of issues um, and there are a lot of different things that need to be worked on, um, but we put our focus on the one thing. And because we focus on the one thing doesn't mean that we don't acknowledge other things. But this is just where our focus at and, and, you know, where our skills like lead us to try to help to make make a change. Um, so that's why I appreciated this conversation. I appreciated you coming on talking about your ideas of, of, of building that network and also sharing your story because that network is important because we're talking about a community. It's not about just, you know, um, we, we talk to options traders. We talk to real estate investors. We talk to people who are marketers and who are in business. But it's not it's not about being in business for the sake of just um your own personal wealth. It's about the community overall. And What's I, it for? Yeah. What's yeah. it for? Like all all that money's good for nothing. And, and, if, and if, that, if if it don't if it don't serve any purpose in the community. And I agree with that because even going back to the whole drug dealer thing, my brother, like when we were at Central, my brother sold dope right around the corner from Central. Most most people didn't know. Um, he had a store on Oil York Road, and. I only point to um, to him because I mean he passed in 05, um, you know. But 
when you when you show people a different way, right? Like I, I don't care whether you sell drugs or not because the users are are you know are, are there, and, and that's never going anywhere. There's there's always been substance of some sort, KO, whatever. But if you if you use a precise tool and say, what's the money for? Is it for ownership? Is it to buy real estate, a bar, or is it to buy a Benz or a Gucci belt? My, my, you guys have a role. My role is to expand your mindset. Mm-hmm. So I'm never going to say, don't sell dope. I'm going to say, listen, know your risk, like in any enterprise, right? Because part yeah. of what my thing is, you are your own enterprise. So you've invested in yourself and you take risk, right? So if you sell dope, know the risk. If you, me, I could never, me and my brother got the same DNA. I could never take the risk he, he took. He could, but I'm so proud of him because, A, I mean, this is my brother, so he would never be ostracized. And, and my, my, because so many members of my family did illicit activity, and there's a, there's a book about my family called All God's Children, and it traces my family from South Carolina to New York, Philly. But never was the purpose to just floss or, 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 or buy what I call trinkets, right? Mm-hmm. It was always to improve the community. It was always reinvestment back into the community. It was always, you know, I'm going to do what I can do. Yeah, I do this illicit activity, but I don't really have opportunity. And that's what my role is to say, okay, a great deal of my family members didn't have opportunity like even I've had. Because my parents had the wherewithal to expand my mind and say, look here, look here, look here. My role is to say to these young kids, in, in particular Philly, look, you can do other things. You can expand way past just selling dope. Because, I mean, realistically, I moved back to Philly two years ago, and I moved, I moved back, you know, around Temple. Half the neighborhood is gentrifying, and the other half is still serving. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a crazy dynamic. I walk outside my door, I look right, and there's people jogging. I look left, it's somebody up the block, you know, serving somebody. So I walk up the street and I tell this brother, well, you know, my department's having a test. And this is what you can, you're not eligible now, but these are the things you can do to get eligible for the next test. When I walk around my neighborhood, in particular the supermarket two blocks away, I'm making a point of wearing my temple in my Penn State, because I went to both my, my law school shirts to let them know, yeah, it's a brother that went to law school. I'm here. I'm present. Mm-hmm. I'm accessible. You could talk to me. You know, I had a young uh, eight-year-old. When I first moved around there, I used to do DUIs. So I was wearing, I had my suit on. Not going to lie, I went to the Chinese store to grab some wings real quick. He says to me, yo, I should rob you. I said, why you going to rob? I said, first, you got a gun? He was like, nah. I was like, all right. I said, why you gonna <laughs> He's like, he's like, yo, he's like, he's like, you look like you getting it. I said, I am getting it, man. I'm happy. It ain't got nothing to do with money, but I'm getting it. I said, why don't you uh why don't you keep going to school? I said, you could wear a suit like this. And, and my suit wasn't even that nice, but I said, you don't have to be, you don't, you don't have to rob nobody, man. I said, you can be locked up, you ain't gonna be able to see your mom, your friends, none of that. He said, you think I could be a lawyer? I said, I know you could be a lawyer. Yeah. It ain't and, hard. And that's crazy. The fact that he even asked that. Like, 
You know what I mean? Because think about it. Like, you know, man, it's, it's so much in that one, one little statement right there. The fact that he asked you, do you think I could be? Right? Yeah, so, like, that's crazy. Like, that means he's, they, he's being fed defeatist attitudes. He's eight years old, and he yeah. doesn't even consider the law a profession. Like, that's, that's out of control. Like, there, there shouldn't be nothing that's off the table for an eight-year-old. Yeah, I just, uh, man, I, I couldn't even – what you just said, Corey, I was trying to get that out, but I'm like, damn, that's crazy. But that's why we got so much work to do, man. And that's why, like, what, what you're doing is, is important, man. And any way we can help in terms of, like, this network or whatever, we're there to do that because, man, we got a lot of work to do. Like I said, just because we focus on one thing don't mean we don't see everything else, man. Um, yes, yes. Listen, man, so I want to keep you on here forever, man, because we could talk forever. But – uh. I'm going to make sure I definitely share, um, you know, your, your, your IG link and, and your podcast with the people because, uh, you know, you, you have good conversations and you put out thoughts that uh, people need to have, man. And I just want to say thanks for sharing your story, for one, because um, a lot of people don't have the courage to do that, right? Um, I, I was reading something this week in a, a book, and it said that uh, most people don't have the – it said most people don't have the courage to be honest. It says um, – people always talk about lying to others, but the, the person that we lie to the most is ourselves. Yes. Damn. <laughs> I said, damn, that's hard. Like we do. Yeah. We don't have the courage to be honest with ourselves, Right. And you sharing those stories, man. Um, could, you're probably going to help someone. Now you never know who's watching or listening to what you do. Cause I've had people like literally in the street say, man, that one post you made, I said post. Yeah. So you never know. So I, I, I definitely believe cause we have thousands of people listening to our podcast that, you sharing the story is going to help somebody. So I just want to say thank you, man. Uh, I thank you guys. Because I remember a couple years ago when y'all jumped off with the podcast, I was like, yo, I was like, these guys, because actually I was impressed too that you guys as black men still kept in touch, mm-hmm. still loved each other. Because I, I really... I just want to say con- continue success on, uh, you know, your podcast, man, um, and everything that you got going on. Anything we could do to help, man. We're here for you, man. And, um, you know, continue to share your story. Like, I know it sounds crazy, but you're going to help somebody by sharing your story because it's not just about the credentials. It's about, like, you know, um, that ego getting in the way, you realizing that and making the necessary adjustments. And now you out here, like, you know, doing work in the community and trying to build and trying to do positive things, man. So we appreciate you, brother. I appreciate y'all, man. I do. Absolutely, absolutely. I do. So, Corey, you got any last words before we get out of here, man? Thanks for sharing your story, man. Yo, Keep up that good work and, and don't don't be a stranger, man. Absolutely, man. So listen, for all y'all out there, nah, make sure never, make never. sure you check out his podcast. Check out what he's got going on. He's trying to do great work in the community, man. Um, you know, he, he told his story on here, which is amazing that uh he's willing to share that, but it's to help you guys. Um, so make sure you share this episode and um give us some feedback. Let us know if there's anybody out there who's doing amazing work in the community, building a business. Um and we'll get them on the pod, have a conversation with them because our stories have to be told. We have to take control of our own narrative because there are brothers and sisters out there who are, um, you know, doing great work. So as we always say, it's not about how much money you make. It's about how much you keep. Game elevates, man, and we'll see y'all chumps next time. Peace.